second half, we just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. Thank you, Jim Mora. I would like to think that's what Porter Moser sounded like last night in the locker room, talking to his team. Maybe it was a little bit different than that, but I think a lot of people walking out of the LNC thought the exact same thing. You had a what eight-minute run in the first half where you're playing some pretty good basketball, got back in the game, took the lead, had a lead going into halftime, tied with 12 minutes left, and Travis just kind of really randomly mentioned um, this moment about an hour ago, and the more I think about it, the more that I didn't feel it at the time that it was a big moment, but when I look at last night's game, I say, you know what, it kind of does feel like once this miss happened, that's when things really started to go downhill, and I'm not blaming the game or the collapse late on this single shot, but... Travis, when I think about when things went wrong last night, it kind of feels like once the third free throw was missed to tie the game, that's kind of when it got bad immediately after that for OU. Yeah, Texas went on a 10-0 run immediately following that. And you were kind of like, you know, it's a game of runs. You want to exchange body blows, especially as you set up that final that final run, right? Like the I know it's a game of two halves, but if you were to, you know, separate it into four quarters, four natural quarters, that to set up that fourth quarter, you've got to exchange body blows. You got to stay up through the first three, right? Well, you know, they make that three, and Texas has been shooting well, but you've been able to stay in it. Now all of a sudden, you take a corner three, you miss it, but you hear the whistle. Thank goodness we can hold serve for right now. You miss that third. You miss that third free throw. They come down, score ten in a row on you, and after that, it was it was it was over. Really, for all intents and purposes, what was uh, what was just the entire mood in the building last night, John? I mean, you were you were there from the beginning. Like, what did it feel like before tip off when OU started slow and they got hot in the second half? Like, it, it's probably just. It's probably almost like a roller coaster sitting in that thing last night. Well, it wasn't so much a roller coaster as it was like a bell curve. I, I the, the 6 p.m. kick, it kind of started off kind of slow. The team started off kind of slow. So we kind of had to build to it. We get out of that first media timeout and things start picking up. The energy starts picking up. Jalen Moore, who, who, you know, what's lost in this game is that dude played a great game. Yeah, he did. We had 25 points. Two highlight, two highlight plays. 23, well. 25 points, something like that. I mean, the kid had a really, really good game. Those two dunks back to back were big time. And then, then you're building, right? And then you're like, oh man, dude, here we go. Like, we, we had the slow start, but here we go. We're building. And then Travis is right. I mean, well, clearly that – I don't know that it's necessarily because of that missed free throw, but it happened to coincide with that missed free throw that they go on the run, we can't buy a basket, they're playing defense, their energy's up, and it literally sucked the energy out of the room. And in a way, if you want to say it was – and somehow caused by that, it would be the equivalent of like missing a field goal at home. Yeah, Jalen right? Moore had 15 last night, by the way, and we've talked. Oh, he so- only had 15. Yeah. You had more than that. Didn't somebody have more? Than that? Uh, he was leading scorer last night for OU oh, with 15. Well, Max Aismas had more than him. He had 22 was- points. But he played. A, you know, Jalen Moore played a good game. Big kid, athletic kid. Um, but uh, anyway, it kind of felt like if it was at a football game and you needed a field goal to tie it to kind of staunch the bleeding. I mean, and you miss it. There, there were just so many factors as to why you lost last night. You can look at the defensive end in the second half. You can look at how much they got out-rebounded by. Texas shot at 50% from the field. 
You did not shoot at 50% from the field. But just another, you know, another reason why they lost the game last night. Max A. Smith had 22 points. He was incredibly hot late. And Jalen McCollum was one of six from three and only had nine points. Now, OU has other options that can score out on the perimeter. Oway, uh, Lowe's can score as well. But Javian McCollum, he's your most capable scorer. Can't have a night where he's three or three of 11 from the field, Travis, and only scoring nine points if you want to beat some of the better teams in the Big 12. Especially when their best player um, shoots the ball like Max Aismas did, when he was 8 of 14 from the field and 4 of 8 from three-point range. Yeah, and I think that's what bugs me is, like, Los had, I mean, only one turnover. He's been taking care of the ball. Had four steals. If you give me a 4 to 1 steal to turnover ratio... I'm locking that in every game for the rest of an OU point guard career. Um, four assists. So he had more assists um, than uh, than Max did. He had three more steals. He had less turnovers. But the only difference was the, the shots were falling for Max, and they weren't for Lowe's. So, I mean, that's what that, that's what's kind of frustrating about how things are remembered, right? It's... We don't care what else you did. Did you make your shots or did you miss your shots? And unfortunately, last night, Los goes four of twelve from the field. Doesn't make some of those runners and some of those, uh, you know, kind of shots around the basket, those floaters that he usually is good for. And he hasn't been too hot of a three-point shooter, so one of three is kind of on, on, you know, on uh, par for him. But yeah, it's when you needed a big shot, when you needed a big play made, our our guard duo really just couldn't get it done. Well, and the main theme of today and talking about this game has just been like the missed opportunity. I've said it, John said it, Travis has said it, Porter Moser said it and apologized to the fan base last night. And that's just it, guys. It's just a, like, can you rebound from this loss in the grand scheme of this season? Yeah, you can. You can go win five of your next eight games, which is what the ESPN BPI says that your percentage-wise is what uh, maybe you're most capable of doing is winning. If you win five of your next eight, you feel a lot better than you do today. But it's a game at home against a team that it looked like you were better than. And more than anything, John, it, it today shouldn't be a day of frustration. It should have been a day of, wow, man. I, hey, man, this basketball team, I'm all in, man. They're fun, they're fun to watch. They're really good. And yeah, they didn't beat some top 10 Texas team, but we beat Texas, got to make fun of Rodney Terry, throw the horns down in the face. That was the most fun I've had in an OU basketball game in a long time, and I can't wait to come back. But that's not the feeling today. No. And it should be the feeling today. No, it feels like our dog got kicked, and it sucks. It sucks. And the problem is, really for Porter Mosier, and I think what Porter, what you're, what you're hearing from Porter Mosier, even more so than just the performance last night, is he's, three years in, and you start looking for legacy wins that he's building the program on, and you're kind of left with the Alabama win. Yeah, and they didn't follow it up great after that game. And the validation win after that didn't happen. Yeah, And so you're seeing the momentum again built. It's what I talked about in the previous hour. The momentum for the season builds, and then you start to hit these roadblocks and the questions start to have to, they really have to be asked. Now, we don't have to ask about Porter Moser's job. We don't have to ask about all that stuff. But to legitimately say, what's going on with the, 
with the uh, chances of us making the tournament, have they taken a hit? We lost a game at home in the Big 12. The answer is yes, we took a hit. Sure. You have to say that because for the last four, not even under, not even under Porter, but for the last four or five years, it's been big expectations in the non-con only to be let down in what is a brutal Big 12 and, and come up short. And that's what this felt like yesterday, and it sucks. Well, and, and I think, too, Travis, that – and there's a long way to go. The, the conference is a grind. We know all that. But might there be a scenario when we look back at the end of the year, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, where we say, all right, the season was almost it, – it had two – you almost had two seasons in one. You had the season leading up to the Texas game and counting the Texas game, and then what happened after that bad Texas loss – at home like this all that to say this could be the turning point good or bad for the rest of the year it kind of looks like this could be a game that we look back on potentially and say yeah that was a major moment in the season and this is what immediately happened after and you know whether you make the tournament make a run or don't make the tournament this could be the game and how you respond immediately after that determines a lot yeah yeah I mean it's and that's why it was so that's why it was hyped up as much i mean here on this station on social media by admin by everybody that was hyping it up because this was it it felt kind of like or not unlike the texas game feels in the football season right i mean you kind of have a tale of two seasons of the football seasons everything's leading up to texas you got to keep your sheet clean before texas see what happens there and then how do you respond to the Red River rivalry down in the Cotton Bowl. I don't think this is anything different. I think this is, you know, gut check. You didn't play well. You have some questions going forward about the offense, uh, about the, the motion, you know, in the offense, how the ball seems to get stuck a little bit like it did last year with uh, with Grant, with uh, Tanner Groves. And you've got opportunities going forward, but, you know, what's this team made of? What's this coaching staff made of? Yeah, Tech gets an entire week off. And I have a midweek game, an entire week off. They beat BYU at home on Saturday, and then they'll be in here Saturday at 1 p.m. It's a, uh, it's a massive game. And I, I don't expect the crowd to be as, as full, as energetic as it was last night. But just in, in the grand scheme of the game, like, this is a huge game. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated about this game on Saturday just because of what we talked about, how the season can take two different directions. Like, well, regardless of what the crowd is, this is a massive game. It's a bounce-back game. It's a home game. Yep. Against a really good opponent. I mean, a, an opponent that just beat a top-20 team. They're, they're 20th in the country. This they're is a top 20, 20 they're 20th in the country. Up. They just beat a top-20 team. Um, the, and let's face it. Texas Tech is a one of these hanger-on programs in the Big 12 that we're all going to be glad we don't have to play them here in the next, you know, eight months. So, Amen. It, oh, God, I can't stand Texas Tech. Any of their teams, any of their sports, they're all terrible. But that doesn't matter. The point is, you're right. It is a huge game, and I think this could be a, uh, a fulcrum point in the season. Do we rebound up or do we fall back? And – Man, I'm excited to see it, and I'm hoping it's the other way. I'm hoping that the way Porter has built this team through recruiting, through the portal, with the athleticism that we have versus last year, with some of the um, with the um, the leadership that comes from guys like Milos Uzon and stuff like that, that we see a different Oklahoma team. 
than we have the past two seasons respond to adversity. Because if you want a crowd like you had um, last night, and you've got some big home games left. KU still coming here. Oklahoma, State. Oklahoma State's coming here. The game that I'm looking forward to most because it was my childhood, Houston is coming here. Kelvin's coming back. Qantas and Hollis and Kellen Sampson and that group, I can't wait for that game. You still got four massive home games coming up. But if you want a crowd like you had last night, you're going to have to get on a little bit of a run and start playing better basketball than you did because we, good, bad, whatever, we know how it works around here, you know? So Kansas fans will show up. And I think that there'll be interest for sure for the for the Houston game and Kelvin coming back. But you'd like to have more crowds like you had last night. The only problem is, and we talked about it, you didn't play well with that crowd last night, and you had a similar crowd bedlam last year, and you didn't play well in that one either. The two best crowds they've had are the two worst home game performances they've had the past two years in conference play, which is just uh, yeah, it's bothersome for sure. Right? Maybe Brano Haver used to that much. Maybe the breath in the air, the all the hot air is. Throwing off the air pressure for the shooting. I don't. You're right. Something's got to change. Don't show up to the LNC on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Stand outside. I don't know. Don't show up. Okay. Don't do it. Now uh, we're at Brown O'Haver today, right here in Moore. And um, you got you got another uh, testimonial there for you. You've already given us two oh, incredible absolutely. ones. Um, Here's a big here's a big dollar one for those who are out there wondering where the big dollar ones yeah, are. That's at. me. Let's go. Uh, we had a client that had a fire damage in their home. Their insurance company wrote an estimate for the repairs at two hundred sixteen thousand dollars. We reviewed the estimate, submitted a rebuttal for the necessary revisions and missing items, including a brick veneer that was damaged and unaddressed. We were able to increase our client's estimate by nearly two hundred thousand dollars. That is wow. a one hundred almost one hundred percent increase based on the insurance company's original estimate. There's a reason why people hire public adjusters. It is to get paid the appropriate amount of money for your insurance plan. Not more than you're supposed to get, what you're supposed to get. And does it suck that you have to hire a public adjuster? Yeah, it sucks. The whole situation sucks. It sucks that you had a fire. It sucks that you have to hire a public adjuster because your insurance doesn't pay. All of these things are terrible. But guess what? That's the way life is. Sometimes you lose at home to Texas. You call Brown O'Haver at 405-735-5510 if you've had a fire, a water loss, a wind loss, whatever the case may be, whether it's been this week, this month, or a year ago. Give us a call, 405-735-5510. Let us get you paid what you are due for your insurance claim. Let's talk some OU football coming up next. 405-651-3439 is a Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More coming up next right here on The Ref. Taking you home on a Wednesday evening, it's The Rush on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson, co-host of the Boomer Bebo podcast with us, live from Brown O'Haver and more. Look, everyone else is doing their way-too-early rankings, way-too-early quarterback rankings, all this stuff. We can do our own way-too-early thoughts on the college football season. Now, this can be our way-too-early national champion for next year, Brought to you by Brown O'Haver, where we're at today. So, Travis, it. don't even think about it. First team that comes to mind, who's winning the national championship next year way too early? Georgia. John? Oregon. I say Georgia. I think Georgia is primed and positioned. I think Oregon's – I mean, I think, I think Georgia is the easy answer. I kind of threw Oregon out there just to give us something to talk about. Um, I think you could make the case that Oregon may, might have an easier path coming through the Big Ten versus coming through the SEC. Um, but a 12-team playoff now. It's a 12-team you know, playoff. Some teams will get the benefit of the doubt, unlike, unlike some others. Well, and, and the, here's the problem with the 12-team playoff as it relates to a team like Georgia, 
is depth becomes more and more and more important with every successive week. And does anyone have and more does, depth than them? I, I know. Listen, you guys are probably right, and that's the easy pick. I, I don't just, want to be right. I don't want Georgia to win I, all I next throw, year. I throw Oregon out there because I think it's a great spot for Dylan Gabriel. I think it's um, – I think you've got a down Washington team, down USC team, likely a down Michigan team with whatever happens with Harbaugh. I think they're they're in a good position to get a home game in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but I'm kind of stretching after that in a head-to-head matchup against Well, Georgia. it's funny that you bring up Oregon because during the break I wrote down, what if Oregon wins, what's it like? What's it going to be like around here? And I guess that depends what OU does and what Jackson Arnold looks like. But I don't know, Travis, I got a pretty good idea of what it's going to sound like around here if Dylan Gabriel carries Oregon to the national championship next year. Yeah, like everything else, it depends how it looks, right? If if it's a situation where they win because of Dylan Gabriel, he goes up there and the defense is like, I don't know, maybe like a top 20 defense, but the offense is a top five offense, and he's just lighting up Ohio State, he's lighting up Michigan, Wisconsin's always got a good defense. Like, if that's the case... Then yeah, it's gonna get it's gonna get kind of awkward at times. There are gonna a lot of a lot of people that uh, wanted us. I know a lot of people on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line were like, "Man, we met," especially after the uh, bowl game, saying we made a mistake. Give Dylan Gabriel as much money as he wants to come back. We need to hit the portal. Like those people will be having an in just victory lap after victory lap. But I still think we're in good shape. It, I, I don't think anything that Oregon accomplishes or doesn't accomplish has has anything to do with us but it it could it could get awkward i need i need dan lanning who i know everybody is absolutely obsessed with now i need dan lanning to win his own conference just just do that once before we say he's the best coach in college football and all this that and the other by the way adam from austin says y'all are all wrong oh freaking you is going to have a suffocating defense and we're going to win the national championship ofu i like it <laughs> uh, real quick, speaking of that, will he win his own conference? Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan, Maryland, Wisconsin, Washington. I there's good names on there, but how many good teams are on there? Well, you mentioned one that I wanted to bring up. Ohio, is, it's Ohio State. I asked Travis immediately. He said Georgia. I asked you immediately, and you said, "Ah, let's go with Oregon here." Um, I asked myself immediately, and I said Georgia. Ohio State has thrown all this money at their offseason. Ohio State's thrown a ton of money at it this offseason. And yet, Travis, it sounds like none of us really trust Ryan Day or Ohio State to win the big game and get over the hump. I mean, I mean losing three straight to Michigan like they did, I think Ohio State got a little cute, got a little finesse, and decided, because I've had Ohio State people tell me, they said we built the team. We are we are constructing a team to beat Georgia. We're not constructing a team to beat Michigan. Thinking that, look, if we lose to Michigan, we can still make the playoff. I mean, they nearly beat Georgia. They could have been national champions last year if uh, a couple plays go the other way. So, it's, it. I think they have enough talent. It's going to come down to quarterback play as always. And I'll tell you what. Jim Knowles is going to get a head coaching job if he wants it, if the defense plays like the defense played for Ohio State last year. I believe they were second in scoring defense nationally and third in total defense nationally. I mean, you you don't want to get into a position, if you're Ryan Day, wasting a top three defense because you and Brian Hartline, 
the, the best receiver recruiter in probably college football history, can't figure out the offense. Dallas Bill says, I love Dylan, but if Oregon wins the national championship, it won't be him carrying them. Still cannot throw deep. Uh, LaDonna from Lubbock says, hey, we're going to support JFA and shout Booma no matter what Oregon does. Um, I, I keep seeing, like, speaking of quarterbacks, I'll, I'll bring up two here. One, it's the commitversary for JFA. Two years ago today, he uh, committed to OU. And Parker and I always like to laugh that uh, Seth the Trail took over the OC job or co-OC job and Jackson Arnold's already on campus. Michael Hawkins and Brennan Zerbrug were already committed. And Kevin Sperry's already committed for 2025. So he's pretty good in terms of the quarterback situation there. Well, the quarterback I really wanted to bring up is a guy that I keep seeing ranked with the best odds to win the Heisman. Second best quarterback in the SEC going into next year. And, John, you you co-host the Boomer Bevo podcast. I don't see it. I don't think he's a terrible quarterback. I don't think Quinn Ewers is just a god-awful quarterback, okay? Texas had its best season in 10 years. He does some nice things. I guess I'm just asking you because you talk to a Texas fan all the time. What does the Texas fans see with Quinn Ewers that that we don't? Well, what Kevin specifically continues to see is arm talent and potential, right? (laughs) But you don't see that produced on the field. Now, that's a weird thing to say when they make the college football playoff, but he was he was the least impressive quarterback of the four on the you know of those four. But the and difference between he and Michael Penix, like I mean, oh my on. gosh, it's a chasm, right? And you talk about arm talent. I think J- Jackson Arnold already has better arm talent than Quinn Ewers. So I, I don't really know. I think he's solid. I think it's the right decision for them to want to play him over yes. Arch. Uh, uh, Arch, Arch Manning, Manning, because I don't, tr- I don't know that I trust Manning right now either. Um, but you saw that in some of their bigger games when Malik Murphy started, you didn't see a big drop off in overall offensive. Performance. Still won games. The two games they lost was when Quinn Ewers was starting. Or they still, this year. they still won games, and you did not see a drop off in offensive performance. You didn't see an uptick in running the ball. The reality is, is he put is and Sark has a tendency to do this in big games for. For Texas, he put the ball in Quinn's hands against Washington. They were averaging seven yards a carry in in the game against Washington. He did that with Bijan Robinson. He too, did it with Bijan Robinson all year, two years ago, and this year he's got Jaden Blue and he's got uh, whoever the other kid is and CJ uh, CJ Baxter. CJ right? Baxter, and they're running the ball just like what you saw Alabama, uh, Michigan, just what you saw Michigan do against Washington. The same thing. They were running the ball. He continues to put the ball in his hands. Listen. I don't think Quinn Winton lost them that game, but he didn't go and win it. And if you look, even if you look at the final play in that game, it was an easy pitch and catch. The entire front of the end zone was open. He did not have to throw a fade route. Uh, A.D. Mitchell was open. All he had to do was put it out in front of him. Michael Penix makes that adjustment. J.J. McCarthy makes that adjustment. Dylan Gabriel makes that adjustment. And I'm pretty sure we hope that Jackson Arnold would make the adjustment. Quinn... Live from Brad O'Haver and more, it is the Rush on the Rev. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson. Did you know you can hire Brown O'Haver from the beginning? Typically when Brown O'Haver is hired at the beginning, they are able to get the insured paid much sooner and close to the claim much faster. So if you experience a loss from fire, theft, tornado, or water, you can call Brown O'Haver at 405-735-5510 immediately 
and get started on the process. But if they don't call you immediately, that's okay. They can still call you at 405-735-5510, and you can still get them some money. We've helped clients that have had a loss a, a year prior. Um, it, it, you're never closed out of your insurance claim unless you've hit your policy limits. If there's money available on your policy to be paid out, you want to call us and have us go through it, make sure there's not any other opportunities for us to get you more money. It does not hurt. In that case, in any case, if we don't get you more money, we don't charge a fee. So it is a no-risk proposition. If you've had a loss three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago, and you say, hey, I've gotten everything I'm going to get. I don't think there's anything more I can get. It literally costs you nothing. It is zero risk for us to take a look at it and say, yeah, you're right. You didn't get anything. Or, wait a minute, this is a pretty big opportunity for you to get some more money on this claim. There is zero risk for you to and that's have what a I love look at it. That's what I love best about Brandon Haver. 405-735-5510, zero risk. Give us a call. Sorry about that, Travis. We're just getting so passionate talking about the Texas quarterback situation uh, next year with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning that we dropped that last segment. But what, what is, what is, what's the scuttlebutt down there on the 40 acres in Austin? Is it that Quinn Ewers is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football next year and Arch Manning is really okay with sitting out a second year? Or – Arch is going to take over at some point. You know, I think that I don't think Arch takes over, to be honest, unless there's an injury like a, you know, we talk about like the Tom Brady situation with Bledsoe, right, where it's like, you know, Ewers is going to be your starter because there's no way they brought him back to compete for a job realistically. Um, I'm sure that was part of the conversation with Sark when he was coming back. I think when he got that grade from the NFL, which was – Clearly and obviously not a first-round grade, just like all of us said all offseason when those mock drafts had him in the first round. We all said, yeah, right. Well, we were proven correct because he's coming back to college. And he said, I'm sure that was part of the conversation. Hey, am I going to have to compete for my job? Because I don't necessarily want to do that. Um, I'm sure there were a lot of suitors that would have given him the reins, you know, without any questions. But when the Mannings were asked about Arch redshirting. They said they wanted him to redshirt. Like They're like, he's not ready to play college ball. Now, a year later, is he ready to go take on the SEC? Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, he's more talented. He's more athletic. But I just don't think I, – I think Sark needs to put Quinn in the first round. I like. I think you guys touched on it, you know, in the last segment. You touched on how they went away from the run game, right? They, they forced it into Quinn's hands when it didn't need to. That is Sark's M.O. Quarter, yes. yep. Yep. Quarterback whisperers, guys that are offensive masterminds. That Lincoln used to do, or Lincoln did this with Caleb. I mean, when you get guys that need to recruit high level quarterbacks, like they will force the ball into their hands. There wasn't a quarterback in the country, maybe, that had a better situation than Quinn Ewers did last year. Sarkeesian. JT Sanders, you've got Xavier Worthy, you've got A.D. Mitchell, you've got a Doak Walker semifinalist behind you and five stars behind him. You've got a, an offensive line loaded with five stars. You've got a good defense. You've got every, everything you need is set up for him to succeed, and he didn't. He's, he hasn't been a top-two quarterback his two years starting at Texas in the Big 12. He hasn't been a top-15 quarterback nationally, and people want to say, oh, he came out early. I don't care. He's the same age as guys like J.J. McCarthy and you know Fafita, Noah Fafita, and these guys, and they were putting up you know 
better numbers and, and were better players than he was. But you look at three teams that Texas is supposed to be competing with. Do you think uh, Do you think Michigan, Georgia, or Alabama worry about making sure their quarterback gets enough throws to make sure that they can continue to recruit quarterbacks because they're quarterback whisperers? No, they're cool with running the ball, stopping the run, and letting the quarterback win win you games when he needs to, make the throws when he needs to. So I just think Sark has an image issue when it comes to, hey, Sark, he's got he's got those high-flying quarterbacks. You need to go play quarterback for him. That he will not just hand the ball off to Bijan Robinson, who was the best running back in the country, or a bunch of five stars that are running over all running all over Washington. Not only do I think that those coaches don't care about that, like, yeah, let's get our quarterback to a certain number of throws. I almost feel like Jim Harbaugh, especially in that Penn State game, took Proof pride. Well, and yeah. I guess he wasn't coaching that Penn State game. But they take Michigan takes pride in, we're going to win this game, and our quarterback's only going to throw <laughs> this many times in the game. Well, yeah. take pride in that. And, 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 Travis, I agree with you, but it is counterintuitive, right, because you've got Arch, five-star, number one recruit, sitting on the – Sitting on the sidelines, right? It's not like you have to prove anything to anybody. And well, but he was a five-star number one recruit, too. I mean, Quinn was, too. What, what does it say exactly, if the perfect yeah. recruit goes to Sark and he can't even get him into the first round? He's got to finish his job there, is what I'm saying. No, and you're right. I guess that 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 makes sense. But at the same time, golly, you got a chance to win football games. you got to take it. If I'm a Texas fan, that's what would drive me nuts. As an OU fan, it's what I love about Sark, right? It kept... It kept us from having to deal with a, a playoff win from Texas. I don't even know what we would do in that situation. But in terms of how I think they're going to do next year, dude, I don't think Arch is going to see the field unless there's a unless there's an injury. And I, I think Texas is going to be pretty good because they addressed what they needed to in the portal. They they and, had a good portal run. And they're I'll, good, I'll give it to them. For and sure. their defense is is going to be solid again. So you know, it's like OU has they go to LSU. OU gets Alabama at home. Tennessee's coming to Norman next year. You got to go to Auburn, to Ole Miss, to Missouri. Like the, the, normally, we just look at the OU Texas game, and then the other games are kind of in a separate category. Well, you got some big time games next year. Same thing for Texas at Michigan. They get Georgia at home. I know Florida may not be great again, but they're going to the swamp. The point is is that even with this new landscape for both programs and all these different tough games that they have, where it sits on the schedule and the situation for both teams, it's still a massive game between the two, and that's never going to change. Like, Texas has to play Michigan before they play Oklahoma and Georgia after they play Oklahoma. That's going to be a massive game for Texas. And don't let Sark be 1-3 against OU if he loses next year. And same thing for Brent. Brent's best win is, without a doubt, the Texas win last year. But how do they build on that this year? And where that game sits early in the schedule, the OU-Texas game, yeah, there are, there are tougher games on the schedule this year, but that is still a massive game. It will always be, I think, for both teams – Still the biggest game on the schedule for both teams next yeah. year and moving forward. That's never going to well, change. It'll, it'll always be the most important game on their schedule because at the end of the day, recruiting is still a very localized Correct. situation. You're still competing over the exact same recruits in the state of Texas, eastern, uh, western Louisiana, whatever you get out of Oklahoma. You're, you're, you're going after those core recruits. Can both schools recruit nationally? Absolutely. But they've got to recruit Texas high school football. They've got to win that game. Yeah, and, and you know, we talk about Texas's portal hall. Yeah, they've done a good job. They've got uh, they've got a really good tight end from Alabama. They've got 
a good wide receiver, a bunch of good wide receivers coming in. They've got Kendrick Blackshear coming in. That's is was didn't really play much at Bama. If they expect him to be the leader of that defense, then they're going to have probably a not very good defense. But the thing is, what made Texas so good last year was not, you know, their their offensive skill talent. It was really low key. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy Jr. in the middle, followed by Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford was one of the best linebackers in the Big 12. Tavondre Sweat was the best defender in the Big 12. If you look at his Outland Trophy, he won Defensive Player of the Year. And then Byron Murphy Jr. won Defensive Lineman of the Year. So that's the issue is Texas won a lot of games last year because people couldn't run the ball on them. Like, it, it they don't have a defensive line coach right now. I know a, a, a reminder to you guys, they don't have a defensive line coach right now, and they just lost their highest-ranked defensive line commit in 2024, and they're losing their two best defenders to the NFL from that room. So if you have a weak interior, as we've seen as OU fans, you are not going to have a good time, in the, in, especially in the SEC. Sark's, uh, I mean, he's going to get a contract extension. Those numbers haven't been released yet, right? I feel like we would have seen them. He's going to be one of the four or five highest-paid head coaches in college football this offseason. Even Eli Drinkwitz got an well, stupid amount of money. You have to think Alabama called him, right? Sure, yeah. Well, they, uh, Jimmy Sexton, I'm sure, made made sure that that was going to happen, and Sark was going to get a raise anyway. That was before Saban yeah. retired, but yeah, for sure. So he's going to get a raise. He's going to get paid. Um, I don't know. Back to Oklahoma. Listen, play, going up against Texas, looking at our entire schedule, it's a pivotal year to just continue to have the momentum. we got to have momentum. I feel like we're coming out, even with that Arizona loss, we're coming out of this season with momentum. We've got to continue that in the first year of the SEC. It's vital. We can't take a step back. We've got to keep everything going. 405-651-3439, final opportunity for you to get in on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll hit all the big stories in college football and, yeah, mourn over that including, Texas loss, I guess, one more time. Including some breaking news out of the NFL. Uh, ooh, hold on here. Oh, is it is it what I think it is? Is that what you're yep. referencing? Yep. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers are nearing a deal for him to be the next head coach. We'll talk yep. about it next. Ad- Forget yep. everything I just teased. No, we'll talk about Harbaugh to the NFL and what that means for Michigan and College football moving forward right here on The Ref. Riverwing Casino and Hotel bringing you the final segment of the day. It is The Rush on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson live at Brown O'Haver and more. Jim Harbaugh wins a national championship at Michigan. He wins a national championship at Michigan. Undisputed champs, undefeated season. And less than a month since he wins the title, he is leaving for the NFL. Travis, this is the second time in three weeks that a current college football coach has retired or left for another job while you and I are on the air. This doesn't hit like the Nick Saban news hit two weeks ago, but it's still big news. What's your uh, immediate reaction for Jim Harbaugh taking the L.A. Chargers job? Yeah, I mean, we're we're either good luck charms or terrible luck charms. (laughs) I guess we'll have to see. Uh, what, what, what this ends up being. I, I think it's, I think, I think the writing's been on the wall with Harbaugh for a while. He was already interviewing with my Vikings, uh, in, in the past. 
uh, while he was at Michigan. He'd always been flirting with the NFL. You always knew he wanted to get back, especially with his brother having so much NFL success and him having prior uh, NFL success. He wants to get to that mountaintop. And if if it was going to be a year to leave, it sets up to be the obvious one, right? You have multiple sanctions. With you have you have like the FBI and the NCAA on campus at the same time during your season while you're suspended, your second suspension of the year on a completely unrelated violation than your first suspension of the year, and you win a national championship, and you're losing a bunch of your team to the NFL. I mean, I when you put it all out like that, Harbaugh would be stupid to go back to Michigan. Uh, this is from Pete Thamel, uh, offensive coordinator and part-time 2023 interim Sharon Moore is the favorite to replace Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Other names, Lance Leipold, Chris Kleiman, and Dave Clawson. Matt Rule and Luke Fickle have been considered amid past Harbaugh flirtations with the NFL. How long is it going to take him, John, to just say, yep, Sharon Moore, here oh, we go. The, the administration at Michigan saw what happened at Alabama. They saw the upheaval on their roster. Um, they saw what that's going to do. They don't want to – they've already lost a lot to the NFL, um, just guys graduating, whatever the case may be. They've seen what Sharon Moore can do. They know that the team likes him. It will not take very long. The ink will not dry on the San – or I say San Diego – on the L.A. Charger contract uh, before uh, Sharon Moore is the head coach. Wouldn't it be awesome if they just announced it tonight? Yeah, just pretty. And maybe they do. Like they, they, they probably have felt that this is coming for a while, and if they're just going to hire from within, just be like, all right, let's go. Well, when does the clock start on the transfer portal? Does it start the minute he he resigns, or does it start when they hire a new coach? I think the the moment that the coach leaves. Correct, Travis. Yeah, yeah. It opens so, from yeah. from right when the coach leaves, and, key, and and something that I want people to keep in mind because I'm already seeing it all over social media. A Look at who they're. Re- look at who's returning, who's not. Just because they have a Michigan uniform on doesn't mean that automatically you just say, "Ooh, I want that, I want that, I want that." And we need to get to eighty-five scholarships by fall camp. We currently have ninety kids on scholarship. So if you want to take five Michigan players, then I need you to name me ten OU Sooners that you want their scholarship pulled from to make room for them. That's the key everybody's got to remember. There is a numbers crunch in Norman. Damn, that, that would have been a fun question to throw out to the text line. Today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would have been crazy. 82, 10 times yeah. over, that's for right. sure. <laughs> that's amazing. But people need to remember that it's a numbers game. Like, we have to get to 85 by the fall. So, again, everybody's going to lick their chops over this, but if they, which I will think that they will hire, or at least – promote former Oklahoma Sooner Sharon Moore to head coach, which should handle uh, a lot of the retention, especially on the offensive line, considering he's their offensive line coach too. I mean, you would think that if your guy gets the job, then you're going to stick around. But just keep that in mind while you're salivating. Sam and Edmund says, can we get Aiden Hutchinson? I'll cut some guys for him. <laughs> yeah, same, especially if uh, like he's good on his own. Yeah. If OU plays teams next year that decide not to block Aiden Hutchinson like the Tampa Bay Bucks decided to <laughs> on Sunday. Like, yeah, he's really good. Let's just not block him and see what happens here. Let's just see, let's just see how that goes. But, big, I mean, this is crazy, man. Like, you had a coach leave Notre Dame for LSU in the past three years. He had a coach leave OU for USC in the past three years. A coach retire from Alabama, the GOAT, which I guess that's not all that surprising. But a coach leave Michigan weeks 
after winning a national championship. I, th- I, I'm with Travis. I think it makes sense. I, I know that reports show that Michigan was trying to do everything they could to keep him. I'm actually surprised by that. You got your national championship. You put up with a lot of stuff. He yo-yos you every single year. He's not going to win it next year. You can see the writing on the wall. Let him leave. Go ahead and start over and start building for the next national championship. To me, it makes sense for Michigan. It makes sense for Harbaugh. Um, I think this is going to be the least ripple-affected hiring and quitting of anything that's occurred this year. You know where the most ripple could be felt with this? If there's a job opening in Columbus, Ohio next year, you better not lose to Michigan again, Ryan Day. The pressure just got kicked up just a little bit more this offseason. Don't do it, what, Ryan Day. I'll tell you what, uh, Mr. Steve Sarkeesian is the only former playoff coach that's returning with his team into the that's 2024 crazy. season. Wow, that's nuts. That's crazy. Insane, man. <laughs> has, there, has there ever even been more than – Less than two or what? I mean, that's that's got to be the first time that that's happened, that only one of the playoff coaches returns with this school. And he's still 1-2 and two against Oklahoma, and it's awesome. He needs to be 1-3 and three next year. And 0-2 o- o- against true starting quarterbacks. <laughs> Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Again, if you've experienced a loss from fire, theft, tornado, or water, it's not too late. If you just experienced a loss, give them a call. If it's been a year, give them a call. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So it's risk-free, 405-735-5510. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans.